Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today is September 11th, 2019. And later on in the program, my guest is going to be George Phillips, who's going to talk to us about Father Vincent Capadano, who was killed uh, while ministering to soldiers in Vietnam and about his cause for sainthood. Uh, and is, is it, today is also the couple of feast days that we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's September 11th. We have a lot to talk about about this. It's a really an excellent opportunity to pray for all those who were lost in that battle uh, and for their families. And there's one person in particular, and I think it's appropriate since we're talking about Father Vincent uh, today, uh, there was a Franciscan priest, Father Michael Judge, who was chaplain to the fire department in New York at that time, and uh, on that particular day, uh, when he heard that the one of the towers, the South Tower, had been uh, attacked, he ran to the North Tower where uh, Mayor Giuliani asked him to begin praying, and he was praying with the dead and the sick, or the, the, the injured, and, and when the, that tower collapsed, he was killed with a piece of debris that came through the lobby where he was. So he was there ministering to people in the same way that we're going to hear about Father Capadano doing in Vietnam and how he was killed in ministering to the soldiers. Mm. And I think that's very important for us to understand that we have heroes in the faith all along the way. Uh, several months ago, we talked about Father Capon, who was uh, doing the same type of thing in the Korean War. And we just we Catholics just don't understand how, how many heroes of the faith that we have and you were telling me before the program that September 11th is also a significant day in the history of the Church. Good morning, Gene. How you doing? Just fine, thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, and, giving and this me a... Is, this is Thaddeus, by the way, for those <laughs> that don't recognize his voice. Yes, yes, indeed. And hello to all of our listeners out there in the Brazos Valley in Central Texas and down there in Palestine. Thanks for tuning in to Red Sea Roundup with your intrepid host, Gene Wilhelm sitting right across from me, and um, is, is yeah. intrepid being is that a disease? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that is a a good character trait. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we uh, are going to talk to next month. We're going to talk to Steve Weidenkopf, who is a, a Catholic historian, a church historian, and uh, you wanted to talk with him about the Battle of Lepanto. Yes, it is, which right? is uh, which is where the Christians defeated the Mus the Ottoman Turks uh, during a very significant period of history, where it looked like the Ottoman Turks and their Muslim allies were going to conquer the world. That's right, and that that uh, that victory in that Battle of Lepanto, that naval battle, uh, resulted in the Feast of Our Lady of Victory, uh, which is October seventh later renamed Our Lady of the Rosary. Which, who is the patroness of the Church here at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and we'll get into all the details of that event, but uh, 
Dr. Weidenkopf was kind enough to send us a copy of his new book, came out at the end of last year, Timeless, A History of the Catholic Church, and we started reading the chapters uh, pertaining to the Battle of Lepanto, and I came in this morning to, and told Gene, you know, it's fascinating that one of the battles preceding Lepanto was the Siege of Malta, which is that tiny little island yes. in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and then there was a important battle after Lepanto when the Turks again tried to invade Europe and, and conquer Europe, uh, the Siege of Vienna. And both of those battles, which were Christian victories, by the way, took place on September 11th. That's when they began. Yes. I mean, they, those battles initiated on September 11th. And um, I think it's it's fair to say that another kind of struggle was initiated on September 11th of, of 2001 and I and we're still in the in the midst of that struggle and it's taken on a lot of different forms um, but it, the world is certainly very different since that date than prior to that date I don't, I don't think there's any any question about that I was listening this morning to a commentator who was saying that that was the first time that he could recall or could find in history where virtually everything in the United States was shut down. Yes. I mean, the airports, uh, uh, the White House and Congress, the United Nations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just— uh, it, I was it, living in Colorado Springs at the time, and a, and a housemate of mine was, uh, was traveling, had traveled to Chicago on business, and this housemate of mine— was uh, stranded in Chicago for uh, two days, I believe, or whatever that whatever that was two that window days. was, where the all the air traffic was was stopped, and people you know people who had to get home were trying to to rent cars, and there was some limitations put on that and train travel. Um, yes, and it's it's probably the most significant event in the history of the United States mm-hmm. since Pearl Harbor. Oh, definitely, definitely, and and it it, it eclipsed Pearl Harbor in the. Uh, the amount of destruction and the number of lives that were lost. That's right. Three, 3,000 plus on that, on that day between um, September 11th, on September 11th, between New York at the World Trade Center, uh, the Pentagon. And in Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania with Flight 93. I would invite those listeners that we may have who are too young to have remembered 9-11 to uh, do a— search or talk to your parents about it. Indeed. And let's take a moment, Gene. Why don't you why don't you say and let's make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we ask for God's pardon and peace on all those who died that day, whether they were perpetrators or victims. And we ask that the faithfully departed may they rest in peace and may perpetual light shine upon them. Amen. Amen. And also uh, that that our country would listen to the wake-up call that God gave us through that. Indeed. Okay, so on to bigger and better things, Uh, maybe a a little less uh, somber. Uh, We have an event coming up in the Bryan College Station area in the Brazos Valley for KEDC in November. And... uh, you know what that time is, that time, that late fall, early winter time of year in the Brazos Valley is the Red Sea Catholic Radio Benefit Dinner. 
Yes. And who is our special guest this year, Thaddeus? Father Albert Haas. Oh. Spiritual director, uh, a Franciscan, spiritual director at Cedar Break Catholic Retreat Center in the Diocese of Austin. He is going to come down on Thursday, November 7th to speak with us about gratitude and gratitude as an aspect of a contemporary attitude of holiness and how that should infuse uh, our pursuit of holiness. Father Albert has a very interesting uh, history in his religious life. Uh, uh, it, some of you may remember when he and his sister uh, Bridget had the program Spirit and Life mm-hmm. on Relevant Radio. Mm-hmm. It appeared on uh, on these on the Red Sea stations on Sundays at two o'clock, and they were both from New Orleans, and it it was uh, it was. They were so good and so lighthearted in how they approached things, and they, I learned so much from them and and just truly enjoyed the program. I, I missed the program, and I know I think that Bridget had retired because Albert was the youngest of the family. And, right. And uh, I, I am really looking forward to hearing Father Albert uh, at this dinner because I, I it's, it's just going to be thoroughly enjoyable. I, I believe that one of his— um his famous opening lines for that program was uh, something like, "I and I can't believe my sister is a sister. His sister is a sister. And uh-huh. she would say, I, and I can't believe my brother is a father. <laughs> right, right. That's right. She would return with that. And of course, you know, he especially more, she a little bit, but him especially, you know, he's saying it in a very thick uh, Cajun accent. Yes. Okay. I mean, and... Yes, and he has that. Still. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, I thought you were going to talk about the fact that uh, he spent so much chi- so much time in China as a missionary. Yes, and I think that was until the communists threw him out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, that, there's an interesting tie-in with with uh, the second half of the program too, because one of the places that Father Capadano was a missionary was in China, but he was on okay. the island of Taiwan before okay. he went to Vietnam. Okay. Well, we want to remind you that you are listening to Red Sea Roundup on Red Sea Catholic Radio. Uh, I am the general manager, Thaddeus Romanski, and the the co-host, the co-pilot to uh, your host, Gene Wilhelm, here. And you may be hearing us on KEDC in the Brazos Valley or KYAR in Central Texas or maybe even KINF down in Palestine. But wherever you're listening, we thank you for being along for the ride. And I would invite you, if if, uh, we say something that that resonates with you or you have a question or you, you want to call us to task for something we've said, to give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And I sure would welcome the phone to ring sometime today. Yes, and we might uh, we can definitely take phone calls in the second part of the program when we're going to be talking to George Phillips. George Phillips. He is the director of the, I believe it's called the Capadano League, our uh, guild, and they are the ones that are uh, working with the arch military archdiocese to promote uh, the canonization of Father Capadano. Okay, so we'll, that'll be coming up in the second half of the show. We've got a few minutes left, maybe maybe a little less than five minutes left here in the first part of the program. But just to to reiterate the the details about the Red Sea Catholic Radio benefit here in Bryan College Station for those KEDC supporters, it's Thursday, November seventh, at St. Thomas Aquinas in the pack from 6.30 to 9 p.m. 
come one, come all. You can start buying your tickets now. Gene, I know you've already got your tickets. Yes. You went online to redsearadio.org slash benefit. It's the same address every year. We make it very easy for you. Go on there, get your individual tickets for $25 or reserve a table for you, your family, and some of your closest friends. And you can start those table reservations at $500. We're always hoping and praying for that $5,000 level table sponsor. And Let's I, get one of those yeah. this year. That would be really neat. Yeah. That would be neat to be able to say uh, that to Father Albert that he brought in a $5,000 table sponsorship. And I would invite our listeners at K-A-Y-R and K-I-N-F that, uh, and uh, please, I, I think that Father Albert is worth the trip. For those of you that, that have that hour and a half or Indeed. two hours to drive, Indeed. he is really worth the trip, and I think you will thoroughly enjoy him. Uh, so I would invite you to come as well. And, of course, of course. And uh, we'd be happy to have you here for this. And you can always support you can always support the benefit dinner in prayer. Pray that the people who need to be there to uh, to hear Father Albert's message, the people who need to be gathered around their their friends and co-religionists to be uh, supported and encouraged that they'll be there as well. So uh, I want to have I want to give you one other announcement of something going on. This is up in the uh, Waco listening area. Saturday, October twelfth, out near China Spring, we're going to have the Saint Philip Catholic Church Oktoberfest. Saturday, October 12th, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., there's going to be a German meal served from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Roast pork, sausage, potato salad, coleslaw, sauerkraut. My mouth is watering right now, Gene, especially because there's going to be a beer garden there. $10 Uh, a plate, takeouts available. They're going to have a silent auction, arts and crafts, all kind of stuff. It's going to be great. Go check it out. at St. Philip Catholic Church, their Oktoberfest, Saturday, October 12th. They're even going to have local bands, three local bands, the Texas Heartbeat Band, Touch of Grey, and then a little polka. They're going to have some polka music in addition to a kid's fun world with from face painting to a kiddie train and $5 hot dog plates. So In this area, we've got Aquinas Fest coming up at St. Thomas Aquinas, yep. September 27th to 29th, and you can find out more about that at stabcs.org. We're going we're gonna to get out, and we'll see you on the other side when we talk to George Phillips about the sainthood cause of Father Vincent Capadano. See you then. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have in the studio with me here Thaddeus Romanski, the general manager of KEDC. Yes, sir. And also we have on the phone now George Phillips, who is the director of the Capadano Guild, 
and we're going to talk about Father Vincent Capadano. But let's find out a little bit about George first. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning. And you, you are from Brooklyn originally, That's correct? Right. And yeah, uh, first class hoodlum. First class hoodlum. Well, yeah. we, we we talked a little bit earlier in the program about uh, Father Michael Judge, who was the chaplain, the Franciscan chaplain uh, mm-hmm. of the fire department, who was killed uh, on at nine eleven. And he's from Brooklyn as well. So I think there's probably some good stuff comes out of Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, there <laughs> is. You you were uh, born and raised Catholic, right? Yeah, I'm born and raised Catholic. Uh, Catholic grammar school, high school, college. Mm-hmm. And, you, you, uh, and you went to what, Niagara University, you told me one time? I went to Niagara University. Is that a Catholic yes. school? Yeah, it's run, it's run by the Vincentians. Okay, okay. And that's the group that uh, takes after St. Vincent de Paul, correct? That's correct. Okay. Now, when, at a very early age, uh, you, you had some aspirations of doing some things, and those were sort of interrupted with, by the the Vietnam War, and, and uh, would you share with our listeners a little bit about what happened that caused you to to join the Marines uh, during that war? Sure. The, uh, uh, this was 1966, uh, probably uh, m- March, February '66. I was I was in my second year. At Niagara, I was getting good grades, much much to my own surprise. And uh, you know, I th- I thought I was going along fine, and uh, and then I got a phone call from uh, uh, a friend of mine down in the city, uh, who told me that uh, uh, a great friend friend of mine uh, named Billy Riley uh, had been killed in Vietnam. He was a Marine, mm-hmm. and uh, I just couldn't get it out of my head, you know, that he was dead. And somehow uh, that stirred me to action uh, to go down and uh, join the Marines. And uh, uh, I did that uh, about two weeks after I had gotten the phone call. And... Uh, you know, I went into the Marine recruiter and I said, you know, I want to be an infantryman and I want to go to Vietnam. Now, your friend. <laughs> and, of course, he said, well, I can help you out, you know. And your friend Billy Riley was in the infantry with the Marines in Vietnam. Is that correct? He was. So it, it was really uh, a, a tribute to your friend that you were doing this, uh, even though somebody might have said that you're thoughts were misdirected at the time and possibly even heard that from your family yeah the you know i you know my mother and my sister and uh, even some of the guys i was i was in college said look this war is going to go on for a long time you you know you can you can finish here and then and then go as an officer and i said no i gotta get this done i gotta go now so in a sense maybe uh, although you don't didn't see it at the time, maybe God was urging you on to do something uh, that really needed to be done. So uh, kind of like with, uh, with Peter in, in, in his boat, that uh, God interrupted your life to do something different. Yeah. I, uh, you know, as I look back on it now, some 52, 53 years later, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, just come clear to me that 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 everything that happens happens for a reason 
and uh, and sometimes you don't know what that reason is uh, until much later. And mm-hmm. I've come to believe that uh, you know the reason I went there, uh, the reason God sent me there, was uh, so that later in life, uh, one I could witness Father Capadano and meet him in person. And then uh, later in life, uh, come to support his canonization uh, by forming the guild and working on the uh, uh, the canonization effort. So uh, uh, it takes time for those things to become apparent to you. Uh, but uh, I can tell you, the day after Father Capitano died, I started praying to him uh, because I knew he was something special. I didn't know. I wasn't thinking in terms of saints or any of that. I just knew he was extremely holy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't want to end my thoughts of him just because he got killed the day before. It's, it's amazing how God sometimes brings people like that into our lives, that uh, their lives are ended early, and, and when that life is over, we know somehow that that was somebody special in our lives and that they were holy people and that they were with God. Exactly right. Tell us a little bit about how you got into Vietnam, and then we're going to get right on to uh, talking about Father Capadano. Okay, well, uh, I went down. Uh, after, after I joined, they put you on a delay program because I wanted to, I wanted to, finish, out, I wanted to finish out the uh, semester. Uh, so I did that on like the 20, I don't know the date, but like the second or third week in May, uh, the first week in June, I left for Paris Island, South Carolina, uh, got sworn in and, uh, you know, was there at boot camp, uh, for seven weeks and then went to advanced training for another four weeks went home for 10 days and was uh, in Vietnam by December 66. And you, you went into boot camp with your brother-in-law, did you not? Or, you, or your brother-in-law was already there? Uh, that, uh, that was about a year later. Okay, all right. Now tell us a little bit about, about Father uh, Capadano and how, uh, how, how he came to be where he is, because he, he, wasn't, he didn't start out to be a uh, uh, chaplain. To the, no, uh, he was uh, he was a uh, marrying old priest, uh, and as such, you know, uh, you know, didn't work in the U.S. Uh, he had been assigned to a remote area of Taiwan, uh, and he worked there for. Uh, uh, I say worked there. You know, he he was yes. teaching and uh, uh, saying, you know, doing. Was just like a small Catholic parish, and 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 he was the pastor, and he did that for five and a half years, uh, and then they sent him uh, to Hong Kong, and he didn't like Hong Kong. Uh, he wanted to stay with the Haku people that he had been with, and you know, uh, so he ended up. They wouldn't let him go back to Taiwan. So they, uh, there were a lot of ships coming in there uh, to resupply, get fuel, uh, 
and then uh, heading heading back up the coast. And so he saw a lot of the military there. Uh, and uh, I think that's where where uh, he got the first inclination that maybe uh, he should be a Navy chaplain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's solidified, and it's and it's in the letter to the bishop to get him reassigned that he wanted to uh, become a Navy chaplain, and he wanted to go with the Marines. And uh, eventually, <laughs> he was persistent because they told him no about three times. Uh, but he was persistent, and they they finally let him go. And uh, uh, this would have been sixty seven. This would have been like sixty five. I don't have the dates in front yeah. of me. Well, let's but, the, uh, he would have been commissioned in uh, December of sixty five. Now, for for our listeners, we're talking with George Phillips, who's the director of the Capadano Guild. Uh, and we're talking about Father Vincent Capadano, who was killed in Vietnam ministering to troops. And there are a couple of uh, resources that I'd like our, our listeners to be aware of. One is called the Grunt Padre, which was written by a, another Navy chaplain, Father Daniel Mode. And it talks about all of these things. And as I was rereading this, getting ready for today, uh, I was uh, amazed at how, uh, I will say, gutsy... Uh, Father Vincent was in talking with his bishop and his superiors, uh, almost demanding that he become a chaplain. <laughs> That's right. And then the other resource is called and chosen. This is a, a DVD, and I can't remember how long it is. I've seen, I saw it uh, recently. About an hour and a half. About an hour and a half. And this is produced by the Capadonna Guild with the assistance of EWTN. And I have to say that this is well done. This isn't something syrupy or sappy. Uh, and the the man that they have chosen to appear as Father Capadano uh, gives you a reasonable facsimile thereof uh, in appearance. And I, I, I just I can't recommend these enough. And I'm, I know that the DVD is available through the Capadano Guild. What about the book? It's on the, it's on the webpage. It's on the webpage. What about the book? Is it something that's available there, too? Uh, you can get that through Amazon. Okay. I think you can get both of them through Amazon. And the Capadano Guild is the Cap is the website is org and Cappadano is spelled C-A-P-A-D-C-A-P-O-D-A-N-N-O, guild.org, right? Right. Okay. But Father, uh, Father uh, Cappadano was born in Staten Island, so he's another New Yorker. Yep. And, and uh, what was amazing to me when I reread the book is that his father died when he was 10, and he was the youngest of, uh, what is it, nine children, something like that? Yes. And uh, uh, the other thing that was amazing to me is that he kept this idea of being a priest very quiet until after he went to his senior prom. <laughs> That's true. He, uh, although, you know, when we, when we did this, when, when, we, when we did Called and Chosen, uh, we went back to the uh, the old neighborhood, and we talked with a lot of people, and uh, and I gave some uh, short short talks after the masses there, and the older people, men and women, would come up and say, "I knew Vincent when he was young. Mm-hmm. I knew him, and I knew that there was something different about that boy." Yeah. And I, I must have had about fifteen or twenty of them uh, over a period of 
three, four, five months, uh, uh, come up and, and say uh, something similar, that, that they recognized in him uh, something different. I mean, he, he you know, he uh, was a daily mass goer, and, uh, you know, the church, the family was very religious and very close. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think he, he had the calling early on, and but I guess it was the, the senior prom was the turning point. Yeah. And, uh, what what uh, what amazed me too is his mother. Uh, when I read the book, his mother was very happy that he was becoming a priest, but she was really upset that he wanted to be a Maranol priest rather than a diocesan priest where he could be close by. Yeah, she was. She wasn't happy at all. <laughs> and actually, we captured some of that in in the DVD. Uh, but no, she was. She was thrilled when he was going to become a priest. Then, later on, when when Father Capadano told her, you know, I'm going to be a Marianol, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> some of the relatives have told me he, she just threw a fit. Uh, as, and, o- as only an Italian mother can. <laughs> yeah, as only an Italian mother can. And, and she kept it up, I guess, for, you know, several weeks. But then, eventually... Uh, you know, came to realize that that he that he was going to do this, and he 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 went then to uh, some distance away uh, to the Marino uh, place for uh, for his training, and right. and uh, I imagine his mother was not very happy either when she found out he was going to China rather than at some place close. That's right. The originally, I think he uh, he went to uh, I think it uh, I think the junior seminary is in Ohio, or, mm-hmm. you know, very close to there. And he, he and he, uh, uh, and that was too far for them to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they couldn't afford you know to drive there, and uh, you know it was just impossible. So she wasn't happy about that. Uh, when they came back to Marinol in New York. Uh, that was doable. That was like an, an hour drive, an hour and a half drive. Mm-hmm. And Father Capadano uh, developed some real friendships, even in Ohio, that, that were lifelong friendships for him. That uh, And, and uh, some of them, one of the, I think one of the priests became a diocesan priest rather than a Marino. So. Yeah, he did. I don't, uh, I don't remember all the names. I don't either. I'm sorry. Uh, but he did. And but I think I haven't met anybody, and I've met hundreds of people who know him, uh, some that have spent a lot of time with him. Uh, his brother, Jim, uh, I, I had uh, sat and talked with him, my wife and I, for for uh, hours, uh, you know, before he died, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was all, all about uh, Vince mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know what a great guy he was, but I don't know anybody that ever met him that said, "Gee, I don't want to see that guy again." And and a lot of people I know that saw him in Vietnam uh, knew that he was different. It's one of those things you, you know, you know there's something different about him, but you can't really put your you know you can't put your thumb right on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our listeners. Uh... We have with us George Phillips, who is the director of the Capadano Guild, and we're talking about Father Vincent Capadano. 
Uh, so, and if you would like to ask a question or make a comment, we invite you to call us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. Uh, although uh, Father Vincent was uh, in this remote village in, in Taiwan, he never really mastered the local language, did he? I mean, the language has seemed no, to have been a difficulty he, for him. You know, all of us have things we're good at and things that we're, we're not good at, or we have no in, innate, uh, you know, ability to learn. To learn, and he uh, he was not good with language, uh, and I can tell you, I I'm I'm terrible too. So, but uh, uh, but he was determined to learn the language, and uh, he got very frustrated uh, because. He felt he could do a much better job if he, if, he, if he could just speak the language better, but they wouldn't send him down to the school that he wanted to go to uh, to study the language. And, uh, and that started the frustration between uh, Father Capadano and uh, the bishop. And, uh, and it was because he continued to annoy them uh, about staying there and uh, uh, working with those folks uh, and doing the missionary work that he loved so much. Uh, again, he was persistent, and uh, the penalty for that was to get ordered to Hong Kong, where everybody speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it's amazing that a Maranol missionary has, has trouble with uh, learning languages. That, that, that's almost ironic, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you would think that there was some way to screen for it, but I guess, you know, uh, back in the 50s, uh, they sure didn't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, I know I know now from the government, from working in, working in the Marine Corps, that, uh, that we do identify people with, with uh, you know, the ability to learn a second language. Uh, but back then... Uh, capability did not exist. I think it's amazing, too, uh, for those that uh, would read the Grunt Padre or see called and chosen, that Father uh, Vincent Capadano was as a was a very precise and, uh, I don't know, spiffy would be the word that would have been used when I was growing up, uh, that he was very precise and wanted to be clean and freshly pressed shirt and pants and the whole business. So it was really pretty amazing that he would choose, first of all, to become a missionary, and second of all, to become a, a, an infantry uh, chaplain. Yeah, and, and you know, that trait never, never left. You know, he, uh, we have pictures of his uh, desk and, uh, uh, and his little church in uh, uh, Taiwan, and uh, you can see from his desk the typewriters here, a pen, a pad, everything just lined up just so. And, uh, you know, the office, you know, was immaculate. And when you got, you take a look at the pictures of uh, uh, the chapel, uh, you know, uh, every, everything was in, in perfect order. I mean, he was up in, in rugged mountain terrain. But uh, he had shine shoes every day. Right. And uh, when he got to Vietnam, it was 
It was a little a different, little wasn't it? Harder to maintain those standards. Uh, uh, yeah, but, but but he did his best. Uh, something that uh, struck me uh, in preparing for today is that Father Vincent Capadano's call seemed to unfold more slowly than Peter's. But I was reminded of Peter in the boat where Jesus took him out just a little bit and asked Peter to be his place where he could have his place to talk, and then took him out farther and asked him to put down his nets for a catch, and Peter knew that he hadn't caught anything, and then finally he came on shore and he told Peter to follow him. And uh, it seems like each step of Father Capadano's uh, journey to Vietnam was a little at a time and maybe even amazed him as to what he did. Yeah, I you know I, I you know I think that's a, a good way to capture uh, or a good example of of uh, how how things happened and how they most likely happened with him. Uh, you know, uh, when I knew him, you know, he, he was very intuitive. Uh, I mean, tr- tremendously intuitive. He could tell. He could just tell if somebody had a problem or there was something on their mind. And uh, and he wouldn't go away until uh, you know that person uh, would you know sit down. He'd go sit down with him and uh, wouldn't say much. And eventually the people, you know, the Marines opened up to him. Uh, so you know, yes, he did. He did have the again something special about him. Now, what, when you met him after he'd been in Vietnam for a while, because he was with uh, another, was it another battalion? At, yeah, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines. Okay, and then he was with, the, was it the 3rd? Uh, then he went to 1st uh, first, first Med Battalion. 1st Med Battalion, okay. okay. And you met him yeah. where? At, uh, I, uh, I met him uh, at uh, Hill 63 just out of July. Uh, when he came to our unit. Now, before that, he used to rotate through. He was a regimental chaplain, and every Sunday the helicopter would take off at 6 in the morning, and it would take him to uh, all four companies so he could say Mass uh, and hear confession. So I had you know, I had seen, I had been to Mass, I had been to confession. You know, I had heard his homilies, and, you know, I started to think, this guy's pretty good, and but I don't. I already heard a lot of stuff out of one seven about you know the grunt padre and how he would go out on the out outside the wire, go on patrols, uh, do everything that that the Marines would do, and uh, you know uh, I haven't ever seen a chaplain do that uh, before, before or after. That's uh, that, that strikes me as something that's, that you're saying is very unusual because what I understand, typically the chaplains stay back uh, beyond, way behind the front if they can, along with the uh, the higher upper up uh, officers, and uh, as the troops come in, they minister then, but not out on the front lines or on on the patrols or at night watch or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, the, I mean the chaplains. Uh, the chaplains were assigned at at the battalion level, uh, and what Father Capadano used to do when, uh, you know, when he heard there was a, you know a meeting uh, up at battalion, he would go, and he would find out 
which unit, like on uh, the 4th of September, that it was my company going out and, you know, things were not going to go well, and we already knew that. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of sitting back and say, well, I'll pray for them while they're out there, uh, he jumped on the last helicopter and came with us. And it and it was always because, and he would tell you, uh, he would always refer to us as my Marines. You know, I have to be with my Marines. Wherever my Marines go, that's where I go. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's captured in the movie. It's captured in uh, The Grun Padre. Uh, and also, he used to. The other thing he he, he used to tell us, uh, especially if if you had been wounded uh, or or you were dying, uh, he he would always say, "Fear not, God is with us today." And uh, that was very comforting to uh, uh, everybody. And he believed uh, that, you know. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, it's in the, it's in the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, fear not. And uh, and he he picked those words up like they were his own, and uh, and added that God is with us today. And at the same time, you know, if uh, he's minister, he's administer administering, uh, you know, the uh, the sacraments uh, to the Catholics. Uh, trying to comfort them, uh, always telling them fear not, and uh, and it didn't matter whether you were Jewish or Protestant or you know any denomination. Uh, you know he didn't care. Actually, when he when he would say mass, uh, a lot of non-Catholics would come just because they liked to be around him and listen to what he had to say. Uh, you know, it's just just remarkable. Again, to our listeners, I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Red Sea Roundup, and my guest today is George Phillips, the director of the Capadano Guild, and we're talking about Father Vincent Capadano, who was killed in Vietnam, who also received the Medal of Honor. And if you would like to talk to us uh, directly, uh, you can call 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. So... That one of the things that, that also struck me uh, uh, when I was going back and getting ready for today is that to Father Capadano, he didn't really see any conflict between ca- being Catholic and a priest and being a Marine, that uh, he was serving God by serving his country and serving the people that were working for the, co- for the country and for the people in Vietnam. Yes, he was. He was completely uh, apolitical. Uh, you know, the priest you were talking about uh, before that uh, ended up being a diocesan priest, uh, and, and and we capture this in Call and Chosen. But uh, you know, they would get into uh, uh, arguments. Not he would not really be arguing, but. Uh, uh, as as these stories were related, uh, the other priest was uh, clearly against the war because this is now 1967, mm-hmm. and 
uh, you know, the uh, the protesters and all that had started up. And, uh, you know, and he would just say, he said, I'm, you know, the, the the one priest would say this this is an illegal, immoral war started by the government for and you know the and Babylon. Father Capadano's answer was, "I'm just here to help my Marines, mm-hmm. and my Marines are in Vietnam and they need a priest, and that's where I belong." So and he, that he, would, and they would agree to disagree, and that they would always end up going to a nice Italian restaurant and having a nice glass of uh, red wine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Uh, so what yeah. you're saying is that uh, Father Capadano didn't make any comments whether the war was justified or not. He was there ministering to the people that were caught up in the war itself, uh, in the circumstances, who maybe had no probably had very little choice as to where they were. Yeah, he, he again, he 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 was completely apolitical and uh he uh, believed and uh, and I'm sure prayed over it uh regularly uh that God wanted him with his marines in Vietnam. And uh and, and that's that's where he went. Uh, and that's where he stayed uh, until he was killed by the NVA. Tell us a little bit about the first time you met Father Vincent Capadano and and uh, maybe your relationship with him while you were there in Vietnam with him. Sure. Well, I, as I said, I had seen him uh, when he was at regiment, you know, just at mass. But uh, and I and you know they and when he. He had done everything that he was doing with us at one seven, and Stars and Stripes, which is the paper for the military, still today, uh, they wrote an article about the Grand Padre, and so that's when I, I heard his name and started to understand, uh, you know, at least who he was, and then you know when I started going to mass with him for, uh, you know, uh, a month or two, and I and. 40 or 50 or 60 other people, though the masses were quick because 40 people together in a circle uh, makes a pretty good target. So the masses went pretty quick. Uh, uh, But when I first met him, uh, it was uh, during confession. Uh, And uh, when you looked into his eyes, it's like like he could see right through you. You know, he could see right into your soul. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was, it was almost mystical because, you know, he always had a smile on his face. Uh, when you went to confession, uh, you know, he was uh, very understanding. And uh, he did believe in rather stringent uh, penance, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, okay with me. Uh, not like today where they has a time skip giving you penance. I think that's a mistake, but, but, uh, and, and when I, uh, there was one, one occasion where, uh, you know, we had to, uh, talk about a tactical thing because we were going out on patrol and I was going to lead the patrol and he wanted to come along and I, you know, I said, sure. But the but I ended up standing uh, a 
about two feet away from him with nobody else around. And, you know, we just started talking about things. And when, when you looked in, when you looked into his eyes, uh, it was like you're, and I don't want to sound, you know, trite or, you know, like somebody out of his mind, although I'm probably getting there. Uh, it was like you were, uh, transported to a, a, you know, a different level, a different reality, because when you, when you were that close to him and when you looked into his eyes and heard him talk, uh, it was like nothing else mattered except this conversation with this priest. And, uh, uh, it gave you such a feeling of, uh, uh, you know, comfort and peace. Uh, you know, you could almost feel the God's grace is, you know, coming through him. And, uh, uh, and it, and it happened to me more than once. And I know a hundred people that, uh, had the same experience. Yeah, this must be and, very, uh, uh, excuse me, this must be very comforting to someone who never knows whether they are going to be alive to eat lunch or dinner. Yeah, that, uh, it, it is. And, uh, and it stays with you. You know, it's not like, uh, you finish the conversation and you go away. You know, that the, those feelings and that sense of I'm going to be okay, uh, you know, it stays with you. And, uh, you know, it's still with me. Uh, but uh, it's it's the most amazing thing. We uh, I'm talking with George Phillips. He's our guest today. He's the director of the Capadano Guild, and we're talking about Father Vincent Capadano. George, could we begin? We've got about, I don't know how much time left, but we've got enough time that I really think that we need to talk about the day that Father Capadano died and, and uh, where you were in relationship with him and what you observed and so forth. Okay, uh, if you tell me how much time we have left. Uh, how much? Uh, Twelve minutes. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, we had been called up uh, and told that other uh, another unit, 1-5, had been ambushed by the, the NVA, the North, Northern, uh, Northern Virginia, North Vietnamese Army Regulars. Well, sometimes uh, it might feel like that in Virginia. As as we could. At least they thought they could. And uh, so we were going out to help them, and they told us we were jumping off first thing in the morning and to bring plenty of ammo because it wasn't going to be a good day. And uh, we saw Father Capadano, uh, and I saw him and talked to him down in ELZ, and he's, he's handing out St. Christopher medals, which he used to do all the time, uh, to anybody who want them. They were all blessed, and... Uh, 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 and, you know, he would do that for everybody, no matter what their religion. Just before we were getting on the birds, uh, a uh, Marine came up to him and said, Father, I didn't get a medal. And Father said, well, I'm all out. I gave them all away, but wait a minute. And he took his off from around his neck and gave it to the Marines. I gave it to the Marine. Yes. Uh, as, as the helicopter started going, I was with the first platoon, uh, and, and we would end up being in the lead and he jumped on because he was told he couldn't go, of course. 
he jumped on the last helicopter because there was nobody left in the LZ that could uh, tell him no. <laughs> they were already on the on the other helicopters. So uh, anyway, we went to the first the, the first place we were going to land, and uh, uh, there was too much uh, ground fire for us to land. So we went to an alternate place, and we all got off the helicopters and uh, we started walking. And we walked for about an hour and a half. And uh, we came up, there was a rise, what we now call, uh, I lost it, but uh, the knoll. And there was a big bomb crater in the middle of it. So we were walking up over uh, over the knoll, and now Father Capadano has worked his way up the line to be right behind 1st Platoon. So, he he's, so that's the, that's hit, the lead group. That's the lead group, yeah, right, George? The first platoon. So he, he and George, George, it's uh, Thaddeus here. I, I looked at my my clock mistakenly. We actually have about four minutes for you. Just I want you to be able to tell the story, but I want you to know how much time you have. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's why I, I you know, because I could talk about this all day. I know. So anyway, we uh, uh, we come down off the knoll, and uh, the Point Marine yells back. Uh, I. Thought I saw a bush move, so the squad leader uh, yells back, "If it moves again, shoot it." So uh, it moved. He shot it, and uh, the most intense uh, combat. And I and I had seen. I'd been in country nine months then. I'd, I'd seen plenty of combat, and there was nothing like this. It, it was. Uh, you know, heavy machine guns, automatic weapons, and we're all exposed on this knoll. And uh, and Father Capadano immediately uh, starts uh, coming coming down from the knoll, uh, ministering to wounded, uh, ministering to the the dying. Uh, uh, one of the things he did, which none of us would ever do, you know, we because we would go help somebody who was wounded but we do it laying down next to him but he used to kneel up so they could look in his eyes it's like he had some sense of the power of his eyes to transmit uh god's graces but as as the day went on he uh he got shot in in his right hand he lost a couple of fingers uh just wrapped a bandage around it and kept on going uh, later on, he got shot again uh, in the arm and, again, uh, refused attention as he continued to minister uh, to the Marines. He must have come up and down that hill I don't know how many times. But the last time he came down, uh, there was a corpsman and two Marines uh, about 50 yards away. And... Uh, uh, you know, he said to the Marines that were there, I'm going to go help them out, or words to those effect. And they say, don't go. There's a machine gun over there. It'll get you. And he just ignored them, and he took off running. And uh, he put his body between the corpsman and the Marine and uh, immediately got shot 27 times uh, with a 50 cal machine gun. That's a lot. And uh, we're about down to one minute, so he died there, and, and it it, he did. And he he, he, uh, he died immediately doing what 
he had set out to do, which was ministering to his Marines. So, and and the the, the word of this uh, spread like wildfire fire throughout it the did. Marines. It did. I mean, it spread all over the division and up to headquarters within hours. Okay. You know, uh, I mean, we knew right like, even in the platoon. Soon as soon as uh, you know, uh, we saw him get killed. We started right away. You know, the Padres been killed. The Padres KIA, and uh, and everybody knew. And uh, you know, I, I know a corpsman that was working at First Med where uh, Father Capodanno's body went to be prepared to ship home. And uh, this cor- this corpsman knew him very well. Yeah, and he wouldn't let anybody. Uh, touch Father Capadano or accept him. George, I hate to interrupt. We're down to one minute. And so uh, I really want to thank you for being here today. And one, one more time, you tell us how people can find the book and the, the DVD called and chosen for those who would like to know more about Father Capadano. Sure. Uh, you can pick up uh, The Grunt Padre on uh, Amazon. To uh, get the DVD for Called and Chosen, just go on the website, uh, CapadanoGuild.org, uh, and, uh, and you'll see that for $20, for a $20 donation, uh, we'll sell you, uh, send you Thank. Uh, the DVD. Thank you, George, so much. Appreciate it. This is Gene Wilhelm, and you've been listening to Red Sea Roundup. Mercy and talking.